Reading this morning is from Acts chapter 5, starting at verse 17. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The high priest and his friends, who were Sadducees, reacted with violent jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So the apostles entered the temple at about daybreak and immediately began teaching. When the high priest and his officials arrived, they convened the high council along with all the elders of Israel. Then they sent for the apostles to be brought to trial. But when the temple guards went to the jail, the men were gone. They returned, so they returned to the council and reported. The jail was locked, and the guards standing outside, but when we opened the gates, no one was there. When the captain of the temple guard and the leading priests heard this, they were perplexed, wondering where it would all end. Then someone arrived with the news that the men they had been that they had jailed were out of the temple teaching the people. The captain went with his temple guards and they arrested them, but without violence, for they were afraid the people would kill them if they treated the apostles roughly. Then they brought the apostles in before the council. Didn't we tell you never again to teach in this man's name? The high priest demanded. Instead, you filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about Jesus, and you intend to blame us for his death? Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by crucifying him. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as the prince and savior. He did this to give the people of Israel an opportunity to turn from their sins and turn to God so their sins would be forgiven. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, who is given by God to those who obey him. At this, the high council was furious and decided to kill him. But one member had a different perspective. He was a Pharisee named Gamaliel, who was an expert on religious law, and he was very popular with the people. He stood up and ordered that the apostles be sent outside the council chamber for a while. Then he addressed his colleagues as follows. Men of Israel, take care what you are planning to do to these men. Some time ago, there was that fellow Thudis, who pretended to be someone great. About 400 others joined him, but he was killed, and his followers went their various ways. The whole movement came to nothing. After him, at the time of the census... There was Judas of Galilee. He got some people to follow him. But he was killed too, and all his followers were scattered. So my advice is, leave these men alone. If they're teaching and doing these things merely on their own, it'll soon be overthrown. But if it is of God, you'll not be able to stop them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. The council accepted his advice. They called in the apostles and had them flogged. Then they ordered them never to speak again in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. 
the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and in their homes, they continued to teach and preach this message. The Messiah you are looking for is Jesus. This morning we are going to finish our series on uh, the release stage of this year and um, we have gone through a variety of topics, released by the Spirit of God, releasing love, releasing healing. My sister spoke on releasing the prophetic and then a couple of weeks ago I spoke on releasing the fear of God and today we're speaking on releasing courage. And someone said in prayer today, are we going to do the haka? So I thought maybe Will could come up and do that later. Um, show us how it's done. But I wonder when, when you think of courage, what comes to mind? When you think of the word courage, what do you think of? Maybe, maybe you think of some kind of like major amazing people in history, like Will, William Wilberforce, who, who basically helped to abolish slavery. Maybe we, we can think of Martin Luther King. Who, who kind of took his stand for equality and for equal rights. Maybe you think of Anne Frank and her family who lived in secret uh, against the persecution in, in World War II against the Nazis. Maybe you can think of all those that, that kind of gave their lives. A few weeks ago, we, we remembered people that gave their lives um, for World War I and World War II. Maybe you're thinking about actually people right now in Ukraine who are showing acts of courage to be able to stand up for their country. They're being persecuted, not, that, not in a nice way, they're being persecuted for no reason, and actually they are being courageous to stand, for, stand firm. Or maybe it's just something like jumping out of a plane, or maybe abseiling, I don't know what you want to do, or, or bungee jumping, but you know, we all have to do a bit of courage, and maybe even just a little bit of courage every day. Some of us, actually, getting out of bed today was quite courageous, and going, I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to keep going, or... Maybe it's kind of asking that kind of that promotion at work that you've been longing for. You need that courage to make that stand. Maybe each and every one of us who, are, who have been blessed to have an amazing spouse, one, at some point in our lives, we had to pluck up the courage to ask that question, didn't we? Those men if, if they had, to go, had to kind of humble themselves. And uh, just say, would you, I mean, however you said it, probably a bit shy, like, would you be my girlfriend? <laughs> like that kind of the courage that it takes to kind of be able to make those kind of stands. And we all have to have courage, and we need courage on a daily basis. For the smallest of tasks, but actually for the biggest of tasks as well. Courage is something that can actually make such a difference in our day-to-day -day lives. And it's actually what we need to fulfill what God has called us to be and to do. In Acts 28, we know the Great Commission where Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We have been called to be strong and courageous as, we, as, we set up, as we're set apart to, to, to fulfill the great commission and the great commandments that God has set before us. 
And as we read through Acts, if you were, we're stopping now in Acts 5, but if you continue reading through Acts 5, there are story after story about courageous people that just saw God at work. We think of Stephen who was stoned to death for his courageous stand for, for all that he believed in. We think of the Paul, the, uh, Paul's stories where he was shipwrecked, he was persecuted, he was beaten, he was flogged. I mean, if you had a bad life, Paul was probably the worst, isn't it? Like He just had everything bad, but he had courage to continue on. And so I wonder today, what, uh, what areas of courage can we pick up from this text? It's a very long text, and so we're going to try and get through some of it. But Acts 5 is what we're doing. And so the first one we have, if my clicker works, is we are going to have courage to obey. Courage to obey. And we see this in verse 20, uh, 17 to 21. And it starts the beginning and it, it talks about how then the high priest and, and all the associates who were members of the party of Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in a public jail. So here were these guys uh, overcome with jealousy. And if you remember last time I spoke, the end of uh, that chapter, of that part where it's... Um, was talking about the fear of God, we saw amazing works and wonders of the apostles. And so the Sadducees were very jealous of them, very, very annoyed to see that there was favor. And so they, were, they put them in this public prison as a, as a form of punishment. But, but I love it because God, God turns a punishment into just an amazing testimony. And, and like, I, I love that God uses, I mean, if, you, if anyone's seen Prison Break, has anyone seen Prison Break? You know, the first season was really good, and the second season kind of like got worse and worse. But amazingly, every Prison Break in the, in the Bible is fascinating. If you, if you watch, if you kind of read through, there are three main Prison Breaks in this. And we see in verse 19, it says, But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Awesome. Amazing. You know, it doesn't matter what jail we might find ourselves in. It doesn't matter what kind of prison we may find ourselves in. Nothing is too great or too, too hard for our God. He is able to bring us out of any circumstance and situation. But I wonder this morning, what prison do you find yourself in? What prison do you feel like, actually, I'm just so tired of this situation. So tired of being stuck in this same rut, same situation. Our God is able. You know, you know what, what they intended, what the Sadducees intended to be a punishment actually turned out to be a miraculous miracle. And we saw the work of God in this situation. And the apostles, I don't think you notice, there's no sense of fear or worry. They don't, they don't protest. They don't object to going to prison because they know that actually whatever circumstance they find themselves in, that their God is able to do what he said he would do. Is our God's arm too short to save? No, he is not. And I love that God sends an angel, and probably a very ironic thing to do, because in the time, the Sadducees don't believe in angels. So it's actually quite ironic they send an angel. But angels, the angel was sent in order to open up the doors, and he led them out of the prison. You know, I think about the... I think each and every one of us have probably met angels and angels in disguise. I think back to Burundi when I was in 2014 and I was driving on Christmas Day after a Christmas Day service and I had to go uh, a five and a half hour service up a very precarious and dangerous road. And if you've been to Africa, 
you will know that people live on the roads. They don't live in their houses. They live on the roads. They are literally, everyone stands on the road. And Christmas Day's worse because people have had a few and they're just standing and chatting. They're talking. They're disciplining their children. They're sleeping on the road. They're lying on the road. And so I was driving this quite precarious journey. And as I was coming um, through a quite a busy town, the second biggest town um, city in, in, in Burundi, uh, I was driving on, on my side of the road and there was a car coming this way and there was a ditch on this side and the next thing I see is that this bicycle decided with two people on it, although it only had one seat, to come into my lane and I had nowhere to go. And I had a split second to think, what am I going to do? And I couldn't do anything. I couldn't go right, there was a car there. I couldn't go left because there was a ditch there. I had nothing else to do. I slammed my brakes on, but inevitably I hit the people. They came, they smacked my windscreen, and they rolled over the top of me. And so I was there, my car was smashed, my windscreen was smashed. The people had flown over, I saw the bike was over the back. They were laying on the floor, not moving. And I was just like, God, what am I going to do? I'm in a country where I actually... The problem is, I speak a bit of French, but up country, they don't speak French. They only speak the local language, which is Kurundi. And I'm not good at Kurundi. I was like, God, I need you right now. And God is faithful, isn't he? He sends angels in disguise. Because before I knew it, a man came to me and he said, and I believe he was an angel because I tried to track him down after this situation, never got, never got a word from him. And he said, can I help you? I said, well, you speak English, praise God. In the middle of the countryside where people don't speak English, a very rare thing, this man came to me and said, can I help you? I said, please, can you make sure these guys get to, get to a hospital? Here's some money. Please, can you help escort me and make sure that we call the police? So he arranged everything. He called the police. He got the guys to the hospital very, very quickly. And he was doing all the translation for me. He was pushing back the crowd. Because in Africa, if you have an accident or if you have anything, people crowd you. And they can actually get into mob violence because you've hit someone. So I was actually fearful that I could have been potentially beaten and, 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 and taken away because of mob violence. But this, I believe, was an angel in disguise. came and he pushed away the crowd. And he said, I am here to help you. He took me to the police station, we gave our report, and he made sure I went on my way back, and I carried on to, I was able to start the car, and I was able to carry on to Kigali. I tried to call this man when I got back into Burundi, and I couldn't couldn't get him. There was no phone. I went to ask, where is this man? No one could find him. Because actually, I believe that angels are sent when we need them most. And I believe there are people in your lives that God is sending into your lives that can help you to break through situations. But I believe, you know, the very, we see an amazing response of these, um, of these guys, uh, the apostles. In verse 21, it says, At daybreak, they arrived, they entered the temple courts as they had been told, and they began to teach the people. Isn't it amazing that they would got a command from an angel, and the very next moment they left, Instantly at daybreak, the very earliest thing in the morning, they left and they started to preach and teach the the, the word of God. What boldness, what courage in the face of possible persecution, in the face of being put back in prison or potentially even worse, being killed for their faith. Their response was, no, I will go. You know, sometimes in our lives we need to be able to step out of the prisons we're in. Because what what the Bible says and what Jesus has said, he says... Who the Son has set free is free indeed. You know, as I was preparing this sermon, I just got this overwhelming sense that some of us are still living in the prisons that we've been set free from. 
Some of us are still, still living in a place of concern about the, the past or, or things that we've kind of been involved in. Some of us are, are involved in things that we need to just let go of. We have been set free and we have been set free indeed. Not, not just a little bit, we have been set free abundantly. It says, it says there in, in, in verse, uh, John 10.10, 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some of us now, we need to be able to step past those, those circumstances in our situations because God has forgiven us. Some of us need to step forward in, in all that God has for us because we, have not been, we are not defined by the prison, but we are defined by the purposes that God has for us. Some of us need to start stepping into the purposes of God. And actually, we will believe and we will see that God will do amazing things. And that's what we see in this text is that the apostles stepped into the purpose of God for their life. They stepped out of their prison instantly and they started preaching the word of God. They understood that they were called for a time and a purpose. And I believe that that is a call for us today. That actually we need to stop living in the prisons of the past. We need to stop living in, in the prisons of, of our minds. And actually need to be living in the freedom of what God has set before us. So that we can be effective, not for our own glory. But to bring him praise and bring him adoration. We are to be a free people. Who don't live in the past, but live in all that God has for us in the future. The angels led them out. I love that, I love that line because it says the angels led them out. But you know, sometimes it was actually the apostles' choice to follow the angel or not. It's our choice to step out of our past, to step out of what's holding us back. It's our choice to step out of the things that are dragging us down, even those things that actually you may be in really hard situation and you might think right now, I just can't cope. I can't manage it. I'm not saying that you can step out of that circumstance, but actually in our hearts and our minds, we can say, I, I, am, I, have, I am a conqueror in Christ. I am able to do exceedingly abundantly above because of Jesus Christ that lives in me. Sometimes we need to step out of ourselves, out of the prisons that we may find ourselves in, and we need to step into a freedom and into the calling of God upon our lives. If that's you this morning, I'd love to pray for you later because I did believe strongly that there are people here that are, are struggling with things in the past and you just can't get past it. You just can't let it go. And Jesus is saying, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Are you living a free life this morning? Because we don't have to be prison dwellers. We can be people of purpose and people of authority. And we can live in all that God has for us. So that's the first one we see. We see they had courage to obey. Secondly, we see they had courage to proclaim. Now this passage, I mean, there's so much in this passage. And we see that these apostles, and we've already talked about the fact that they started to preach and teach. And it's, it's very interesting that there was no sense of pause or stop in that. But as we carry on reading, we see in verses 21 to 26, you know, 
It's really quite funny, the, the account that's given. Because it talks about how, how the apostles um, are in the temple courts and they're preaching where they've just been told not to preach. And uh, the high priest and the San, Sanhedrin, which is the kind of the leaders of the time, um, they called a meeting and they actually told, told people, the, 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 someone to bring the, the apostles to them as they had this meeting. But I love it because the officers go to, to the prison and they can't find anyone. The doors are closed, the guards are on the gate. But no one is aware that the apostles have disappeared. I mean, how bad is their security? Let's be honest. But I just love that, that he comes back and he's obviously, I mean, I can just imagine this guy coming to this prison and being like, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I, I, I can imagine him just kind of saying to the guys on the gate, you guys need to leg it because you're going to be in a lot of trouble. But he, he runs back to the Sadducees and the leaders and he says, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the door. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Oopsie. <laughs> like I can just imagine the shock and the kind of horror on the Sadducees as they're like, um... Who are we going to kill now? Who's in trouble? Someone has misplaced. I mean, it's not like a mis misplacing your keys. It's misplacing an apostle and a Peter and some of his friends. Like, it's quite a big thing to misplace, isn't it? So I can imagine their frustration, their anger. And we see that actually um, someone finally says they spot them preaching in the temple. And so they bring them. They finally actually get the apostles to come before the Sanhedrin. And we see this in, in verse 28. It says, we gave you strict orders not to teach in his name. He said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teachings and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. I love it because they had, the, the Sanhedrin were absolutely flabbergasted that these, these guys, the apostles, had the gall and the courage to come back and preach when they were told not to do. They had the gall and the courage to continue to do it. And this phrase, I think, is so powerful and so I was greatly challenged by this phrase. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. What they meant as an insult was actually an amazing encouragement to the apostles. They were angry because Jesus, the, word, the name Jesus has started to go from house to house and home to home. But actually, isn't that exactly what the apostles were wanting? So the Sanhedrin actually encouraged them at this point. And I was thinking about this and I was thinking, wow, imagine if buckskin was known. Imagine if our church was known by the local council, by, by everyone. And they said to you, you filled buckskin. You filled Basingstoke with your teachings of Jesus. Wow. I don't know about you, but that's amazing. Imagine. You filled Buckskin, you filled Basingstoke, you filled this town, you filled this area with Jesus. What an amazing testimony to have. I wonder if we could claim that this morning. I wonder if we could say we filled this place with Jesus. But how do they do it? Well, they had to go... They had to proclaim and they had to spread the good news. It says in Romans 10, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? 
And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. I want you just to look at the feet of your neighbor. Just have a look at their, their feet. And just, just give them a prod and say you have beautiful feet. Go on, just say you've got beautiful feet. Just tell them this morning you've got beautiful feet. Shoes need a clean. I've been told mine need a buffer and a clean. I wonder how often we think about that though. How beautiful are our feet? Are we bringers of good news? Are we bringers of hope? Are we bringers of peace? Are we bringers of joy? Are we bringers of the real meaning of Christmas? Or do we go with sadness? Oh, do I have to? Do I need to? Oh, but God, I don't want to. How beautiful are our feet? Because they will, not, they will not know, they will not believe until we go and until we speak. And that's what we see in this passage. Is that they understood that they had a job, they had a purpose. And it is our purpose and our privilege to partner with Christ. And to share a testimony. And I, I love the story of the blind man in John 9. And I preached about this in the one line that we all probably all know here is when the blind man is asked about Jesus. And he says, I don't know about this man, but one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Come on. I don't know about everything else. I don't have the right answers. I don't know the right things to say. But I know from my life, I can see that Jesus has changed me. I was blind, but now I see. I was without hope, but now I'm full of hope. I was scared, but now I'm, I'm courageous. What has he done for you? I was blind, but now I see. Jesus has done so much for us. If you don't know how to start talking about him, just start sharing about what he's done for you. Just start sharing with your friends about what difference he's made for you in your life. Doesn't mean that your life has been completely changed and everything's perfect and you're now fine. No, but he's brought you from somewhere and he's taking you into somewhere. He's taking you into the fullness of maturity in Christ Jesus. I was blind, but now I see. You know, our story doesn't end in a prison. It carries on with the purpose to proclaim all that God has done in our lives. And I love that Peter then comes back after this passage and he, after that accusation. He's, the, the Sadducees are angry and they're frustrated. But I love Peter's response. He doesn't kind of come back at them and start defending himself. He says this. He says, we must obey God rather than human beings. Boom. I mean, these guys... This guy is talking to the leaders of the day. And he's basically saying, I ain't, I'm, I'm not listening to you. Who are you to tell me? I'm not saying we, dis we disregard authority, but sometimes we listen to authority instead of listening to what God has to say in our situations. God is the final word, and we must. It says he, they said, we must obey. It wasn't a question. He said, we must obey God. I wonder in our lives today, is that testimony for us do we think about everything that we have to do or do we know that we have to obey God 
They were compelled to go, no matter their circumstances, no matter what happened. They were committed to Christ. They were committed to, to, to the call of God upon themselves that they, they, they knew they had to go and proclaim his good news. You know, I was eating with our family the other day, and we went out to um, we went out to town. We were in town. I think I've been bumped into Pete and, and Paula Valance, and we was running re- really late in the day because we we were running late. So we decided let's have Burger King. We don't we don't do it often, but let's have Burger King. So we sat down for Burger King. We ordered. You know how it gets hectic. Kids are hungry. They're crying. They're shouting. Um, you, you're starting to cry as well because you're tired as well, and you just. You're not sure what to order because there's just so many options and you're like, I don't know what to do. I'm hungry. I just give me everything. And so anyway, they, they finally decide, we finally order. I'm not really sure, convinced we've ordered the right thing, but the food comes. And we're in, and, and the, the English game, the England game's about to start. And so we're, we're sitting down for our Burger King and I hear Olivia say, Daddy, can we pray? And I'm like, oh, in Burger King? Because <laughs> I know what she wants to do. She wants to sing. And so I'm like, my God, this is embarrassing, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, we're about to sing a very embarrassing song in a very public place when England are about to play football. And I'm not sure what's going to happen. Probably people are going to start protesting. So I was like, okay, yes, I'm trying to teach you to pray. Let's, uh, okay, God, yes, let's pray. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Thank you, God, for feeding me. Um, and I'm like, shh. Because Olivia's there. A, B, C, D. <laughs> But it's like, and I thought to myself after, why was I ashamed? Why was I bothered? My daughter was more happy to sing and to proclaim, thank you God for feeding me. But I was there going, shh, shh, shh. (laughs) But isn't that the truth? Sometimes we're too bothered about what other people think. We're too bothered about other people's opinions. We're too bothered about what people say about us. We're too bothered about the circumstance or situation that we're in that we forget about the one who is above it all. And I think this morning we have to be a people that proclaim boldly as we see in this passage. They were not scared. They were boldly proclaiming. And it carries on and I love it because Peter basically smacks them with the gospel in three lines. He says this, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead whom you killed, dot, dot, dot. He puts that death on the Jews and that's basically talking about man's sinfulness and their guilt and their fallenness. But he carries on, he says, by hanging him on a cross. That talks about Jesus' death. And then Paul carries on. God exalted him to his own right hand and as prince and saviour. Which talks about Jesus' resurrection and his ascension to heaven. And then he says that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgiveness for their sins. That talks about our need for God, our need to repent, our need to turn from our sins and put our hope and trust in Jesus. And then he ends with this statement. We are witnesses of these things and so it is with the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. He talks about the fact that we then, after making a decision to follow Jesus, must be his witnesses, empowered by his spirit. Peter just smacked him with the gospel in three very quick sentences. And that's because Peter was ready. In the Greek, it's only 31 words that Peter spoke at that point. And those 31 words were the gospel in ba, ba, ba. 
He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't afraid. He wanted to proclaim Jesus because he knew, and he probably knew what he was going to write, but in the book of 1 Peter, he wrote this. He said, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Always, not just sometimes. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Paul, uh, Peter didn't say this in a disrespectful way. He said it in authority and he said it respectfully and he said it gently. But he gave him the gospel. You know, I wonder this morning if we are living as people who proclaim the good news. We have many of these hanging around. We have an opportunity to proclaim Jesus. Look at your feet, your beautiful feet. Your feet can walk. May we be a people that distribute these. May we be a people that realize wherever we walk, wherever we go, we can share Jesus. We don't even have to say anything. We can just say, Will, come and join us this Christmas. Done. Yeah. I hope you're there. That'd be good. Um, You don't have to do a lot, but, you know, we have an opportunity to proclaim Jesus. Our hope and our prayer is that each and every one of us will step in. So we have uh, we have courage to obey, courage to proclaim, and lastly, I'm going to ask the team to come up. We have courage to persevere. You know, we see the end of this passage. The, they've had this time, and and the the the, the Jewish lead, lead, leaders are not sure what to do with the apostles, and so there's a guy who steps in, and uh, he he tries to persuade them um, to to basically step down and not to do anything. He tries to persuade them not to to hurt the apostles, but to let them go. And finally, they listen to uh, this man. His name is uh, Gamaliel. And they listen to this leader, and they finally say, right, we will flog you, and we will let you go. That word flog is not just a little, you know, in school when you kind of, not now. In in the old days, you used to get a slap on the hands. Um, in, in these days you get maybe a don't be silly uh, but you know, they, they don't, you know they, they, it wasn't just a beating it was a flogging and that word actually comes from the Greek word which means to skin and that means it was a, it was a very harsh treatment a very harsh 39 lashes which could have been to the point of death and these apostles what do we see they have this beating they have this atro- atrocious flogging but what is their response I want you to read on Verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin after being flogged, rejoicing. Uh, How many of us rejoice in the persecution we face? You know, we've been talking about rejoicing in our home group, and that is something we all struggle with, to rejoice when challenging things comes our way. But why did they rejoice? Because they they, they were counted worthy to suffer with Jesus. You know, as we go out and we proclaim Jesus, it may, we're not probably going to get beaten. We're probably not going to get flogged. But we might be a bit embarrassed. We might not, we might not always kind of um, be the cool kid in town. But what are we willing to sacrifice in order that we can persevere for Christ? They didn't stop proclaiming. They didn't stop sharing Jesus but they, dis- they realized that they could rejoice, not in the pain, but in their partnership with Christ. 
we have an opportunity to partner with Christ on a daily basis. How amazing is that, that the King of Kings would allow us to partner with him, to be a part of what he's doing here on earth, to be a part of his greater redemptive story. Jesus died and rose again so that we can have life and life in abundance. But how will they hear if we do not persevere? How will they know Jesus unless we persevere to share Jesus? We have a great privilege and a great opportunity. You know, you see that they did it day after day. They did it in the temple. They shared Jesus from house to house. They never stopped sharing Jesus. Why? Because they knew what Jesus had said in Matthew 5, and I'm about to land. He said, you are the light of the world. Isn't that what we're sharing this Christmas? You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light, let my light, let each and every one of our lights this Christmas shine before others that they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. We didn't light the Advent candle to cover it up. And none of us here are to to hide what God has put within us. We are to be a people who obey, who proclaim, and who persevere to run the race that is marked out before us. I don't know about you, but I know that it is only with God and his spirit that we can have the courage to step day by day. I love... What, it, what they said is that they, they went day by day. They didn't try and do it all at once, but day by day, they continued to persevere and to share Jesus through their challenges and through their pain. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, O oh God, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. O oh God, we pray that you would bless us this morning. May we be a people who obey you, who continue to uh, carry and proclaim your good word. And Lord, ultimately, that we be a people that persevere, that never give up, never forget, oh God, the call upon our lives, never forget the purpose that is before us, that we may share Jesus, hallelujah, wherever we go, in your name, amen. Amen.